From Hong Kong, this is Mea Kupa, the Lessons Learned from Startups podcast. Based on the Postmodern Conference, where founders, investors, lawyers, and mentors share their stories about working on, with, or for startups. Today, we have for you Jamie Ao. Jamie is the founder of Oh My Ted, an online e-commerce platform for custom temporary tattoos. Before she started Oh My Ted, she was a account manager at Alibaba. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, Jerry. Thank you. Jamie, how did you end up in doing a startup? It was back in like uh, six years ago when I was uh, still working in Alibaba. And then I met a lot of uh, suppliers there. And I've always wanted to start something on my own. And I think that was a very good chance to um, uh, maybe start my own e-commerce business. So um, at that time, I quitted Alibaba and then tried starting on my own with the resources that I gained from Alibaba. So you mm-hmm. you saw products, you saw supply, and at that point, you wanted to do something with that. But from you personally, did you save up something and then say like, hey, like, I want to build this, but then I want to make it profitable within six months, 12 months. Did you have some runway for yourself or just quit your Alibaba job and start doing it? Um, Actually, no. (laughs) So that's why I actually kind of failed at that time because I didn't do any research or plannings or anything. Just I wanted to start something. I think most of the startups first time, they're like, okay, I got an idea and I want to be a box and start something on my own. So that was me. So um, at the time, I didn't have any actual plannings or um, or figures or research or any information. I just quit it and started. That's quite a bold move, right? <laughs> yeah, right. How was your surroundings, like family, friends, how were they reacting for you, like quitting a job at a big company like Alibaba, which is quite secure? How did they yeah, react on that? For friends, they uh, they were quite supportive because uh, I think that's cool to start something on their own and they always wanted to start something on their own as well. So um, they're not any rejection from them, but for family, of course, they, they, they would... Uh, they were a bit worried because, yeah, as you said, Alibaba is a quite uh, promising company. It's a big company and it gives you stable uh, income and life and whatsoever. So, um, yeah, there was a little bit worried from the family. But, yeah, but I was still young at back in the time. And I think it's worth a try. And so I persuaded them and I told them not to worry about it. If I fail, I can just find another job. So that's fine. And at that point, it was still called Toot, right? Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, it's not on my tech. It's called Toot. And it was an app. <laughs> and it was an app. Uh, yeah. How did you came about? Did you start doing customer validation or you just started building yourself? Um, no, I just thought it's a, it's cool to have a app to sell temporary tattoos because there was no such app at that time. And I think if there's something not exists, so I, could, I would just build one. That's typical uh, startup first time thinking. So at the time, I just I just did it without any yeah planning. And because you have a background in coding, right? Yeah. Can you tell a little bit how did you came about having a background in coding, but then ending up as an account manager at Alibaba? Like how yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did that journey went? 
Um, yeah, I, I was graduated in uh, HKUST with a computer engineering degree, uh, engineering degree. but um, since I graduated, I didn't do any coding jobs. I started as a salesperson or account manager role, um, but it's still related to, related to IT field. Um, at the beginning, I sold uh, like many hardware or software products, and then I went to uh, I, I think around three years later, I I changed to the Alibaba role to do to um do more e-commerce, which I'm more interested in. And yeah, that's how my journey went since I graduated. Um, but I still know I have some concept about coding, so that's why um it's not very very hard for me to build an app because the app was a hybrid. Actually, it's based on HTML. CSS, that kind of thing. So it's like building a website. So it's not too hard for me to handle. And since I quit it at the time, so I got full time to to build my app during the time. I think I spent about around like half a year to do so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why tattoos? Why tattoos? Um, first, I like tattoos. And I followed a lot of tattoo artist account on Instagram at the time. And every time I saw one, I I feel like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But it's hard for me to, every time I, I see a post on Instagram and then I want to tattoo this because it's a permanent thing. So at that time I thought about why don't I, why there's, there isn't a temporary tattoos that looks like real tattoo. I mean, at the time there's, uh, temporary tattoo is a long history. You saw a lot of uh, like Mickey Mouse or any cartoon tattoos, which are for kids, but there are not many temporary tattoos for adults, which have real uh, tattoos graphic. So at the time, I thought about, yeah, why there isn't any beautiful temporary tattoos for adults? So that's how I started the idea. Start selling temporary tattoos. And then I, yeah, start sourcing uh, custom temporary tattoos and also... Uh, as I said, the so supplier I used to have met during Alibaba. So I contacted them and see if they can do what I want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically your passion for tattoos and the amount of nice tattoos that you saw, but you couldn't put them all over your body because at that point, at one point, it's full of clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So at that point, you would say temporary tattoo yeah. would be a solution for that. Yeah. I also know that you could design on the app at that point in the beginning you could design your own tattoos is it still possible or how did that customer discovery go for potential people having to design their own tattoos uh you mean how do they how, how does it work how did you come about just by temperature tattoos is one thing of mm-hmm. course but mm-hmm. designing your own tattoos mm-hmm. is something else mm-hmm. how did you came about that was a market that there was a market uh, okay, for that yeah. At the beginning, I didn't start customization actually, but um, so that at that time I sold uh some simple like stars, hearts, tiny tattoos, which are kind of like Korean style, kill those kill little tattoos. But then I start uh receiving a lot of inquiries from customers and asking, um, do you do customization? I really want to design my own or have some other graphics, uh, that you didn't provide, so. That's how I learned from the customers that at that time, and that I found that customization is actually a big market. 
And also at that time, the trend is customization, like phone case, bags, many things are customized. So customization is a trend, and plus the inquiries from the customers, the feedback from the customers. So that's how I started the customization feature on my business. Okay. What was the biggest challenge in, say, like the first six to eight months when you started this? What was the thing that you later realized after six to eight months that you didn't realize when you started? What was the biggest challenge there? I think the first six months is still honeymoon period. You still have great passion because you're working on your app and you just started it. So you you don't um, you accept there are not many sales and you think it's okay because I just started. So the beginning is still honeymoon period and still very passionate about your business, and you don't mind those uh very little sales at that time. But after I think a year. And then you start to worry about why it's not moving. It's still so little sales. So, um, and then at the time I started worry about the financing of business, uh, the business model and whether it's working and whether there's a market big enough to let me earn a living, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the roadmap at the beginning. And obviously you didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Because that's usually the point where founders say like, hey, like, where's the revenue coming in? And it's not giving the revenue that I thought it would be. But you continued. What was for you the sign or the thing that you said, I'm not going to give up on this right now yet? What was for you the decision-making factor that you wanted to continue this? Um, I think the worst part is, um, I think if you don't have any sales, probably better than you have little sales. Because sometimes those little cells give you false signal that it's going to be okay. But if you have no cells at all, you will really think that's, oh, maybe that's really not a market exists. But uh, sometimes those false signals let you um, uh, continue without a uh, definite time frame or deadline. So, yeah, because um, there will keep uh, little cells coming during that time so uh, that makes me didn't give up mm-hmm. and keep thinking um, how can I get more sales and how did you get more sales okay and there actually there's a little um, turning point is that I actually kind of given up not not totally given up but I put it aside and I started go back to working at that time to find a proper job, full-time job, and then just, okay, that's a side business. I didn't fully give up, but put it as a side as a side business. But um, since I went back to work for like a month, and then I find out, first of all, I didn't really like enjoy working. And then I started to think about, actually, how many tattoos I can sell to cover the income that I'm making at this job right now. So that actually, that's the first time I really started started thinking about this problem. Uh, previously, I was thinking how to make it big, how to make more people know about Tude, um, how to make more features to make people like it, but didn't really do the figures or calculation things. But then I started working again, and then I really started to think about how many tattoos a day I need to sell in order to earn the same income I'm working. So, and then I started to do the calculation using Excel, and I find that, okay, actually, it's not that hard. So the target actually uh, 
suddenly I had got a target. Before I got no target, I was just uh, thinking how to make it big. But now I got a target. How many tattoos I have to sell, and then uh, every day, and then I started to think about different ways uh, to uh, sell the target that I made, and then since this is actually a very low target, and then I make I made it, and then I created a full time job again after a month, and then go back to tattoos in full time. Okay, yeah. so you would say that setting yourself a goal which was achievable and which was not in your earlier vision as in saying like before that you would just wanted to become big and now you're looking at hey correct me if i'm wrong but maybe you were looking at i don't know say uh, you were selling 10 tattoos uh, which was giving you maybe half of your normal monthly salary but now you didn't really realize because you were wanted to go big you maybe wanted to go to 10,000 but you weren't achieving that and now you start realizing after making calculations that if you would sell 20 then at that point you would have say have the same income as you would have had for a, a full-time job so at that point you set your goal on 20 which was way more achievable than the 10,000 is that uh, similar so my point is setting up an achievable target is very important you know what you're doing and what you have to do instead of just a very vague uh, goal that my goal is to make it big. So that, that's, that actually doesn't work. So sometimes lower your, not lower, but make an achievable, achievable target and plan and figures. It will make you more clear what you have to do. So now you set yourself a goal. Now you're basically having as income as similar as the full-time job because you said you achieved that. But full-time job, how many hours were you working and how many hours were you working basically the month after that when you were back on your tattoo business? Uh, you mean at that time? Yes. Um, it's different. For full-time job, when you uh, get off from work, you're really off and you don't think about it. But for your own business, you ha- you think about all the time, 24 hours, even on Saturdays and Sundays. There's, there's no um, no uh, hard line between holidays and or working hours so you actually basically when you have time you just sit in front of the computer and start working yeah does that mean that you're not really calculating hours that you you're working on it but how does that work for you as a person that what you're saying right it's not a nine-to-five job even in the weekends are you still able to get some type of moments of rest or self-reflection or yeah Definitely, but I just mean um, it's more flexible to have your own own business, but it doesn't mean you don't rest and work all the time. But it's just hard to give a deadline. Like oh, it's six o'clock. I I just stop working. It's it's not like that. But I still my my working pattern is I got some tasks, have some tasks every day for myself to uh like oh today I have to do these three to four tasks, but um. It's okay to switch the hours. For example, I can go just go running first, and then after after doing some sports, I feel better to do the the other tasks. But it's not that I have to finish it uh, before six o'clock. Not like that. Just first of all, I can switch the tasks or jobs. But um, but I set um some goals or tasks every day that I have to finish. Um, how do you do that? On for instance, when you want to go on a holiday. Or you don't take holidays? I do take holidays, of course. But not now because of the COVID-19, yeah. 
I mean, uh, not traveling, but actually, uh, because my business is an e-commerce business, so um, actually I can work anywhere, just bringing my own computer. Computer. So sometimes, for example, if I go traveling or go somewhere else, I can just bring my computer with me to settle some tasks that I must have to do by myself. But I think dedication is very important as well to dedicate some tasks to to some part time staff or other people. So that you can focus more on the thing you have to focus on. Does that mean that you have an external warehouse for your stock, or do you still keep that in your own office and then ship from there? Or how did how do you do? How have you that arranged that? Because you could take your laptop with you, but then it will be hard to ship things from your office when you're not there, right? Yeah, I have my own, like a kind of like a studio to put uh, all the package packaging and tattoos will be shipped there. And then basically, if I'm out of office, other part-time part-time staff can still go up there and do the packing. Yeah, so it's not yeah, it's arrangeable. And looking back now, because you're now doing this six years. Yeah, yeah. What was one of the hardest things that you had to go through during those six years? Like, were there any could be personal, could be business related things that you said? Hey, that was that was really something that was challenging for me um the first two to three years was really really hard um in terms of the financial and also your emotion especially emotion parts because the first year was still okay because you you were still knew about it and you're still you were still passionate about it but after years passed especially after the second year and then you find that your business are still like um, that, but you spend a lot of time on it, and you don't have income, and you created a a job in Alibaba, and then your ex colleagues started to become a team manager or start going up, but you were still stuck in there on your stickers business. So at that time, I was kind of a bit lost, and I think the emotion was more worse than the financial issue because financial is still some. I mean, it's it's also important, but your emotion, emotional uh, issue is more important at the time. How did you deal with that for yourself? Do you have like people of good friends that you talk to on a regular basis to level that out a little bit, or how do you cope with that emotional roller coaster? Um, the best friends to talk about during the time, not the regular best friends, is those also working on uh, startups at the time. So. Because I was sharing an office with uh, other two um, um, friends, they they were working on their own startup at, as well at that time. So th- our situation was actually um, similar, and I think at that time they were very very important for me as a supporting as a supporting friends or, or or whatever. So yeah, I think at that time they were very important in during my emotional issues. Not really an issue, but uh, yeah, the hard times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're trained as a computer science. You're trained as a coder. Then at that point, you start selling Mm -hmm. technical solutions and then you start selling at Alibaba. What of that part did prepare you the most for the journey? Was it the technical part? Was it the selling part? Or maybe other things that you learned during the earlier days before you became a founder. What prepared you the most from that 
education and the, those first years as a as an employee before you started your own company? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my current business actually is a mix of those two fields or areas. First, um, e-commerce is based on kind of like IT thing. So since my education background is in um, computer science, so um, it gives me concepts about how to like building a website. For example, building a website, actually it's not too hard right now because you got many solutions. But for many um, non-technical people, they still rely on other people to help them manage it. So um, since I got uh, education background on it, so it's not too hard for me, myself, to handle it the website, the e-commerce, or the technical part. But um, besides technical, I think um, one of the most important on e-commerce business is how you do the sales and marketing. So this is how I gained um, from my previous sales role job. Um, because I didn't have any um, business-related degree on marketing or business side. So I think uh, the experience, my job experience gave me um, some hands-on kind of like training or experience on the marketing or sales, sales and marketing part. So my current business is actually kind of mix, a mix of these two areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you look at your education, and I, I know education changes a lot right now, but what would you have wanted to see what your education would have taught you what would now become very handy? Well, like, what were your, in hindsight, what would be great to have had during your education that you're now using on a daily basis? Mm, I think it's a bit hard to pinpoint or summarize because the interesting about technology part is it's always changing. Even though today I, I suggested some um, topics that I found is important, but probably next year is not important anymore. So basically, the those coding that I learned during university is not valid anymore right now. So it keeps changing. But I think the most important is how you, you learn the basics. You learn the concept, and you learn how to learn other coding skills more faster, that kind of uh, soft skills. I think those are even important and uh, more long-lasting. Okay. Yeah. When you're looking back on your journey so far, what is the thing that you learned the most and you, maybe you want to give to the audience here as lessons learned from yourself, saying like, hey, do this or do that or something that is very has proven to you to be valuable but something that you learned as a founder. What would that one thing that you really want to let the audience know that that is important, at least from your perspective? Uh-huh. Um, I think a very a very realistic business plan and research. You know what you're doing and don't make it too ideal. Don't make everything too ideal. I think that's most first-time founders have such problems, like me and some of my friends as well, thinking the things are too ideal. No people thought about it, so I'll do it. It's got to be popular it's gonna be famous it's, it's gonna be work don't don't be too ideal make a realistic business plan and also back a plan as well what if it failed or what if it didn't didn't achieve what you uh what you planned it 
I think that's very important at the beginning to start something. Okay. And what's the most valuable advice ever given to you? Something that you also now, when you're talking to others, are giving to those people. Something that is being yeah, given to you as an advice. And now you're saying, like, hey, if you're talking to other potential founders or founders and you give that advice also through them, what advice was given to you? Um, do more research. Yeah, do more research before you you started you started something. Yeah, every time, um, for example, sometimes uh, some of my friends, uh, whenever they think about the idea, yeah, we'll talk about it, and then they will just um go ahead without without even googling it. It's easy. I mean, you just Google it even to see whether someone did it before. They don't even do it. Sometimes I think they probably not there to find that. Okay, actually, my idea is not working. So they just uh make themselves blind and do something without uh doing research. So I think doing research, doing a sim- even a simple research is maybe helps you to waste uh to uh to save your time on spending time on thinking how to make it bigger. So I think uh yeah, doing a proper research is is a is a must do at the beginning. Yeah, which I didn't at that time. Yeah. It can sometimes save some uh, some months of trying out, indeed. Um, what is something that's not a secret, but most people out there don't know about you? Uh, not a secret? Yeah, which is not a secret, so you can share it here on this podcast. But most people don't know about you. Uh, we had people saying that they're a great cook or people uh, sharing their hobbies that a lot of people didn't know about. Oh, okay. Maybe something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got a big tattoo, but nobody, not many people know it because it's hidden somewhere. Not everyone can see. So it's interesting because some people, uh, when I tell them i actually doing a tattoo-related business, they will feel surprised because they don't see any tattoos on my body. But actually, I got a big one, which you cannot see. So it's not a secret, but you just, you don't see it at the beginning or without I telling you. Yeah. How did you came about to set that tattoo? What made you decide to to have that tattoo on that place and that particular tattoo? Um, actually, it's a kind of a personal preference. That's the nature of tattoo because it's a very personal thing. Even the placements or the wordings or the graphics is all personal preference. And also, every tattoo has a meaning on your body. So, yeah, I would say the placement and also the graphics or the wordings that. I'm having the tattoo. I have my own story and also the my own preference because I like it to be there, to present there. Yeah. It's not for everyone to see, so that's why it's hidden. It's for myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. can definitely get into that. That It's very personal. Mm. Tattoos are, per definition, yeah. very personal. Yeah. Of course, by now, you probably already had all the designs that you wanted as a temporary tattoo. Are there still designs that you would like to have as a temporary tattoo just to carry for yourself? Or are there, you're just waiting for a new design to come up and then do that? Or are there still designs that you have been putting over waiting for the right time to make a temporary tattoo of that for yourself and then carry it? Yeah, sure. There are still many, many, many tattoo designs are very beautiful and awesome that I see it on IG every day. So um actually my next 
planning is to uh, collaborate with different tattoo artists or artists to um uh to make their work as a temporary tattoo. So actually, that's that's the thing. One of the things that I very uh wanted to do at the beginning to co- collaborate with different artists and sell beautiful designs, beautiful tattoo designs on my website. So. Because I'm I'm not really an artist actually. I'm not an artist. I just have a platform to sell temporary tattoos to let you do customization that kind of thing. So I really would like to collaborate with those artists to have some beautiful tattoo designs on the website. Okay. Hmm. Okay. If somebody wants to have a temporary tattoo, where do they go? Ah uh, yeah. Uh, they can just search um oh my tag. It should be on the first page of of Google, or you, they can just simply type. Uh, www.ohmytat.com ohmytat.com and yeah they can also search in on IG ohmytat and they will see the yeah the ohmytat account on Instagram we will put a link in the show notes also oh yeah yeah okay thank you (laughs) Um, if there is one thing from this talk you want the audience to take away from this talk what would it be the one thing you really want to drive home if you want to do something, just execute it. Don't wait. I mean, of course, you have to do the planning and research, as I said, but don't wait. Something happens to do it. Because um, many of my friends, they always started their business. They talk about like five to six years or e- even more, but then just never execute it. But now you will see they actually wasted a few years' time without doing it. I think just you will learn many things at your um, startup journey, but the first step is you have to kickstart it. You have to execute it. Just start planning and start following your plan instead of just waiting something to happen. Execution. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of that is in there. <laughs> yes, correct. Thank you very much. Thank you. I want to thank you for your valuable insights and uh, sharing of your lessons learned in startups. For the listeners, although the rating system of podcasts is hideous, if you like the Mea Culpa series, you can rate this podcast with five stars as a motivation for the makers. We want to thank Mizuho Crowdbrain in Hong Kong for being the venue sponsor of this episode. And thanks to Copy Ventures for making this whole series possible. If you have any suggestions for speakers, just let us know. As usual, this is Jeffrey Brewer. Go out and build something meaningful.